And welcome everybody to episode 36 of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. I'm your host Aaron and as always I'm here with my fellow host Christina and this week we're taking on another hack director here on the podcast and some guy named Alfred Hitchcock made a couple movies I guess. It's Alfred Hitchcock week here on the podcast. Before we go any further we're gonna have a twist and like Alfred Hitchcock we're not gonna tell you the twist yet we're just gonna tell you there's a twist but before we get to that twist christina how are you doing today i am doing great i have been looking forward to this week since the list came out that tony made because prior to this the only hitchcock movies i had seen are psycho and strangers on a train so i was super excited to just dive into more of his work and i have been watching hitchcock all week so i'm super duper excited i feel like i kind of get a feel for him now as a director very 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 filmy of you i know the movie we have chosen this week is to catch a thief and before we go much further we watched this movie and we both kind of always check in with each other we don't like to give away our complete feelings unless it's a feeling of kind of apathy which we both kind of had after this movie was done first of all the chemistry between Cary Grant and Grace Kelly was great and all but there was a tremendous age difference of 26 years and yeah Cary Grant was all of 51 he looked like my grandfather who's like 81 he did not look looked old yeah yeah he was an old 51 and grace kelly was a very young looking 26 frankly even for like 1950s 26 where like everybody looked 40 all the time type of thing like yeah she still looked and she looked great and they did look great together but it was it was weird and it kind of took me out of the movie and overall we both kind of just we felt like the movie was fine it wasn't what we wanted to kind of go off the beaten path for Hitchcock. We didn't want to do Psycho. We didn't want to do Vertigo, a few others. So I think we went a little bit too much with this one. And so we just decided to make a little bit of an audible. So Christina, do you want to, how about give us the IMDb synopsis for the movie we've chosen and see if maybe the listeners can figure it out. So the synopsis of the movie we are going to talk about is two men attempt to prove they committed the perfect crime by hosting a dinner party after strangling their former classmate to death. Hmm. Would you have been able to figure out what movie we're talking about before choosing this movie yes because i know anthony has seen this movie so i i was familiar with this particular movie okay that would be the only way had he never heard of it i would have never known this it's 1948's rope uh, is the selection this week that we ended up making after deciding to not go with to catch a thief with all due respect to catch a thief fans it was fine i would have gotten a two and a half out of five stars from me like straight in the middle and And that's what i think the point was we wanted the conversation to be good and i think the better conversation is with rope yeah I mean, I think we kind of just summed it up with weird age difference, beautiful scenery, and like Cary Grant's hot, Grace Kelly's hot, just together. Yeah, and his story was fine. But I definitely think that Rope, much more enjoyable watch, one that for me was a rewatch from a long time ago. Uh, And I think I did bring up last week on the podcast as a suggestion. So this is kind of like I was right. That's the ultimate twist here. Christina has admitted I was right for once. I was down for rope but anyway 
I'm not sure I totally buy the synopsis because I don't know if they were really trying to prove they committed the perfect crime as much as they wanted to experience the thrill of murder. But this movie sucks you in immediately because the opening scene is literally two men strangling someone to death with a rope. Like yeah. there is no premeditation. There is no, like, I don't think the precogs for Minority Report were like coming <laughs> in for this one. Like, well, I, I think they would have came in way before this because these two were planning this for a long time. They planned who they wanted at this party, why they wanted to do it. They wanted to do it to prove they're smarter than everybody. Right. And they wanted to use it through the method of murder. And it's like, I think that one of like my biggest critiques about the movie would probably be how the movie starts that murder is. I didn't think it was real at first, like, because he's like gang strangled and going, oh, like as he's getting strangled, he's like letting out like a beautiful like belly yell i'm like are they on the stage here is it gonna like zoom out and be like all right these are three actors like even though i've seen this before i still was like man this like death scene at the beginning not the best but like i think it had to not be graphic due to the time period it was in yeah. like there was a certain so that's more me poking fun at it but yeah they kill the guy with the rope put him into the put him into the chest close the chest and they just put a cloth over and they're like we're gonna serve food on this like, right i did everybody like, has a problem with the chest it's a move i would do at a party <laughs> so this movie does not have many cast members in it and i don't it's think nine it has people yeah to this day it doesn't have many well known but we open up with brandon and philip are committing the murder and philip is actually the one that strangles them the rope is in his hand but it is very clear that brandon is the mastermind and i like this guy has not been in many movies. I think he's only been in nine movies in his career. So John Dahl. And he played the sociopath. Like, it was creepy. How yeah, he reminded me of Jason was. Sudeikis. He was so charming and so intelligent and Always so smiling. sociopathic. And it was, mm -hmm. it was like almost terrifying to watch because somebody like that can easily just be a member of society. Like, I think we all talk about like murderers and we think they're like these creepy dudes that like come up out of the bushes and just... Just kill you and like they look scary and yeah. you know they look like they're an attacker but it's like really the scary ones are that he was good looking you know they graduated from harvard charismatic he, was he had this nice apartment yeah. so it was just like you would never suspect that he's you know wanted to kill essentially for the thrill of killing somebody yeah i mean well philip also wanted to do it I, so it's interesting your read is not the read i had the read i had was they wanted to prove they're smarter than everybody they wanted to do that while also killing someone they kind of had maybe some weird petty grudges from this prep school or whatever which james stewart was the head of jimmy stewart who is like the main cast member in this movie of nine but you know i thought of those three i kind of agree with you i thought that i thought both philip and brandon i thought they were both definitely the stars of this movie i thought philip oh, yeah. was great i really responded to philip you got the read these guys were a couple right i did not get that read at all if anything i did philip didn't really seem like he wanted to do this and he seemed like he was the guilty party after the fact which i thought was interesting since he was the one that actually did it almost so as if like when a couple gets into some shit 
and it's uh, one partner's fault, but both kind of get roped into it. I so, think it's just more along the lines of Brandon is just this like ultra. They were getting ready to go to away to Connecticut together. You don't just go away to Connecticut with like your classmate buddy. You don't live together in this nice, fancy, appears one bedroom apartment with just your classmate Billy. And this was like 1948. I don't think they were like out as a couple. Well, I think that gay people did exist in that out couples did. I think out couples did exist actually. And this was in all seriousness. Go with me for a second here. Hitchcock was known throughout his early film career for doing things that were considered like crazy before that, like showing a man and woman kissing and then intimating at sex before like the moral codes were passed and whatnot. And like you couldn't have a movie in 1948, which is when Rogue came out, which is crazy to me because this movie is just absolutely timeless. And gorgeous and really cool. I get it's a little stagey, but it literally takes place in 80 minutes in one room in real time where you can't even pick up on the edits because I believe back then you could film for like eight minutes at a time before you had to change the reel or something. So like Hitchcock had to find ways, but I do film like a stage play. Right. I do genuinely believe there were a couple. And I think it's an interesting read when you read it that way, which you know, because it's like there's often times where one member of a couple gets the other one involved with a lot more that they don't want to. And then afterwards, like they're bickering like a couple. It's like, lower your voice. Let's argue about this later. And then like, let's get drunk together. Like they were gay. In my opinion, this is Hitchcock's gay movie. And I love it. <laughs> you don't have to join me on that island. No, I, didn't, I didn't get the couple read, but I did read that they have some sort of complicated relationship in that Brandon is clearly the alpha of the two. Like he was taking the lead. He was doing the manipulating. And it just kind of seemed to me that like that's always how their friendship, their relationship, however you want to put their coupling together, always work. It just kind of seems like almost like Brandon had groomed Philip to be this like submissive person to just do whatever he said because Philip seemed like he didn't want to be a part of it, but he was the one that literally really strangled somebody. Brandon just held him. Brandon yeah. didn't actually, and honestly, I could see him saying, you know, if the cops come, I, I mean, there are examples it, of that you know? throughout the movie too. Brandon, when the time, when the gas got put on the fire, whatever the saying is, it like when they called at towards the end of the movie, Brandon was like, you go answer the phone, Philip. Like Philip's like, right. I don't want to like every single moment. Like, and then, Mr. Rupert, who's played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, it's Mr. Rupert, correct? His okay. first name is Rupert, yeah. It's Rupert, okay. And he was like kind of the head of the school or whatever, wherever they went. And while the first time I watched it, I got to the end of the movie, I was like, why would you have invited the guy who could solve it to the party? But the second time watching it, having a little more understanding of kind of the character's motive, particularly Brandon's overriding Phillips and becoming both their motive of, I want to prove I'm smarter than everybody. Philip even asked at one point, like, why would you have invited Rupert? Like, Rupert is the one who's going to ruin it. And Brandon's like, don't you see? Like, this was the perfect plan and I'm going to prove it by inviting even him. Like, it's just such a desire to prove that you're mentally superior to all these people while inviting him to a party. It's like, you're supposed to invite people you like to a party. Like, like secretly like loads all these people it was a strange gathering so they killed this man named david who i guess right. was a school friend of theirs yes. acquaintance mm -hmm. and then they have a dinner party where the total attendants are brandon's housemaid david's parents david's fiance mm -hmm. and then the fiance's ex-boyfriend and then the professor. So it's like a very specific gathering of people that it's like, it just shows.
shows how sadistic they are that you murdered someone, stuffed their body, and now you're inviting their family over within the hour. Yeah, you forget there's a dead body like that's being shown the whole time, basically. There, like you see his family start to get worried because like he didn't call, Mm -hmm. he wasn't showing up, this wasn't like him. You have the little action going on with the fiance and the ex, right? Kenneth and her name was Janet. So Kenneth and Janet were like they had a little thing going on, and she was kind of getting tiffed because Brandon kind of made it seem like, oh, well, maybe they can get back together. Mm-hmm. All of this is happening. You start to see them worrying and then Philip starts worrying and Brandon is like cool as a cucumber. And it's like, this movie is so well done because you have the mystery of us knowing that this occurred. So the movie becomes, I guess, the simplest plot is who is going to find out. But then when you really pick up on the nuances of what you're watching, is you're watching like a father literally take appetizers off of the chest. Off the grave. Yeah, like Jimmy Stewart says it later in the movie. He's like, we're literally eating off the grave of David. It's very, very dark. Do you think this movie would have been slightly better if they didn't show the murder outright at the beginning? And part of the wonder was, did they do it or not? Because by showing the murder, it becomes what you talk about here. Who's going to find out? We know they did it. There's not that extra layer of intrigue or like kind of mystery to it of did they really do it? I think it, that it totally makes it a different movie because then you, yeah. why would we, the audience wonder if um, they did it? Well, even wonder if there's a dead body in there. Like how else would you have shown that there's even the possibility of a dead body in the chest? Like just because David's not there, we were supposed to think that. One yeah. And like, just not, like, just pick it up. Like just don't show the murder and pick up, show the rest of what. I, yeah. So I guess that it's more making it a modern problem. Actually, this was again in 1948 and still, tremendously progressive for the time but well now that i'm a hitchcock expert because i watched like five of his movies in a row there are two things i appreciate with him one actually i'm gonna make this three things i appreciate with him one is the way he uses the camera like there's a specific scene in this movie where jimmy stewart's kind of going through what happened and all you hear is jimmy stewart's voice and the camera just follows you along to what was going on and you're zooming into the chair and then he you know you walked over there and you see the camera go and i just think he's so creative and he does that in a lot of his movies where he just lets the camera do it or you'll have moments in the movie this is number two where there's not a lot of dialogue and it's just music and you're just watching whatever the scene is. If it's the, even if it's an actor walking and like taking in the scenery that you're really just immersed in this because he's, he makes you watch the movie from very specific points of views. And that brings me to number three, where it's depending on the movie, the audience either knows everything or the audience knows just as much as the main character. So yeah. it's a super interesting way to watch the movie. And in this case, we knew everything. So now it was the type of you had to just analyze the social dynamics of what was happening here to watch loved ones panic because they thought something had happened to him, which it did. But in their mind, you know, it's car accident. Maybe he got mugged like on his way here. It never even crossed their minds that, you know, the murderers were in the room. Yeah, I, th- I just think uh, to add to that the use of sound particularly in this movie and how it will kind of zoom in almost audio wise into one conversation and exit that and start hearing another conversation and at times you'll just start to see in the background jimmy stewart just walking around and like just again you look at all the faces of the different people at the party it's like philip never looks relaxed like and he just looks worse and worse he breaks a glass over his hand and he's trying to like hide his hand like you know it's just like he is a wreck meanwhile you'll look at brandon who's like got the fake confidence really going and like 
just looks like he also looks on edge, but he looks like he's trying not to look on edge. He's taunting. So like he brings out books to give to David's dad. And what does he tie the books with? The murder weapon. Yeah, like he it, just, the he arrogance just, and the confidence is just like, he almost wants to get caught. He wants to make it the perfect murder. And I think that it's interesting because it's very meta. I think that with this, you know, Hitchcock was just originally, I think, just trying out something here. He wanted to try an exercise and he ended up in the process making like a perfect murder movie, like 80 minute movie in real time again. Like this, I don't know too many movies at this point that had done just like 80 minutes over real time this way, where the time that's passing is what's passing on the screen. I just think that was really interesting or at least close. Maybe it wasn't like 24 style minute by minute because there was an entire party in 80 minutes. So as much as I as a introvert dream that my party would begin and end in 60 minutes and then the nightmare of a guest coming back who left something there that whole scene which we'll get to later but i guess this episode is a little more of just an open discussion on hitchcock's kind of methods yeah. within this movie because there's not scene by scene to go through it's one scene essentially right. you know we'll get to the conclusion once we get to that we can kind of take I it in I think my favorite part would be yeah. there's a shot in the movie where it's the main focus of the scene is the chest with the food on it. And you kind of are seeing like the further part back of the apartment and right off to the side is Jimmy Stewart and like the housemaid are having a conversation, but you're zoomed. You're not really, you're listening to them talk, but you can't see their faces because we're zoomed in that they're talking about, Oh my God, where could David be all this stuff? And it's like, he's right there. The camera showing you he's right there. And then at one point she starts, she turns around and she starts to clean up and she just goes to lift it up. And Brandon comes over and he's like, no, we're not going to clean this up right now. Like the books don't need to go away. Here you right see now. Jimmy Stewart looking at him. Just like, right. I've gotten that look from my mom before when I used to live at home and she was about to open the cupboard where my pot was. And I'm just like, oh no, we don't need it. And she like, we've all done that as a kid. We're right. like, and you, the parent know, like, it's like, why are you like running upstairs? Why are you running inside before I just got it? What? At that point, I was so stressed as a, I mean, this is a consequence for being a pathological liar as a kid, but I'm just like, dude, they're so caught. And like, now he's just like dancing around. Like he knew when he came back that time, like, and then he's like, when do I reveal that? And that whole scene. Yeah. It's just like, I love that scene too. The, the maid would not drop how it doesn't make sense to use right. a book chat which again is something i would do at a party which is not a compliment like that is like it's just like why are you using that's not a table like well, she was like offended she was like was my dining room table like not set up nice enough for you right why would and, you not and she, right. he's like so they don't have to go in the other room he's like but she's like they're all going in the other room to it just made no sense it was just I irony that the rest of it was a perfect plan i mean because brandon kind of goes into what you know when he's hearing rupert's thoughts on the murder he's like rupert's like oh you took the body out into the car but he's like but it's broad daylight we can't get caught it's like so you hide it somewhere till it's dark and he didn't want to believe it till the end and that's kind of why i mentioned it would have been kind of cool to be in jimmy stewart's position down to 
to the end when the reveal of lifting and he finds out there is a body in there. Like, we don't even have to see it. We just need, like, at that point, we could have still been wondering with Jimmy, like, oh, man, are they just, like, trying to mess with their whole class? And, like, Dave's going to pop out at the end and be like, ah, you thought that I was dead? We were all just playing a mind game. Like, that could have been a position of the movie, I guess. I know it's a little different. It, I mean, it changes the whole thing because it yeah, goes it does. all Which knowing is- to us knowing nothing. Which is amazing how just that little sliver. And I do think that what Hitchcock decided was the right. Who am I to like question Hitchcock's decision? But I think, I think it, it was the right move. I think it's a better movie this way. It changes how you view the characters because it's mm-hmm. if you're seeing it purely from Jimmy Stewart's point of view, and we don't know for sure, Brandon right. and Philip seem suspicious. And yeah. at this point, they're sadistic, and you don't right. get that part of it. Well, like, and like Philip, it's sympathetic because it's right. just like so sad. Like when he goes to play the piano, I think that brings me to my favorite part. Sorry about Chico in the background, but it wouldn't be a podcast without Chico shaking near the mic. When Philip, I, I really liked Philip. I am a Philip. If I committed a murder, I would stab myself with a glass as well at the party after. Like, <laughs> I would not be able to hold it together. <laughs> like, I'd be like, why are we having a party? I'd be so upset after I did it. Oh my God. So I, I just really understood. And he's just playing his piano. Not great, but like trying to keep it together. And like, Jimmy is just, Rupert, Rupert's just over there. Just oh, like yeah. He's grilling him. Not the crack. Yeah, like and like not having to grill him very heavily before he's cracking, by the way. Like part of this is like Rupert's questioning, and part of this is like Philip is looking for someone to tell, like about this, like immediately. Like it's just like there's just like really methodical questioning while like keeping it civil at this party surrounded by a bunch of people. And it's interesting, you know, again, when we get to the end, it's interesting how Rupert, while it seemed like he knew it all the whole way through, like didn't truly believe. I think the the scene where Rupert really, really got suspicious is when Brandon and Philip got a little too cocky and they started to just bring up like their theories of murder. Right. Just, they thought it was, I believe the words they used, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was that the intellectual superior has the right mm-hmm. almost to kill the intellectual inferior because they can. Because they're literally smarter. talking about motive as their professor who I don't exactly know what he was a professor of. Did they say? It kind of made it seem like that he was the inspiration, but like it didn't, I thought he was kind of like what you were saying, like he was like the headmaster. Like I didn't think he was an actual like. Right, but like, were they all like lawyers? Were they in law school? I don't know if that was ever made explicitly clear. Like I feel like it was, I feel like they're in law school just because it's like Rupert did seem like a detective or a lawyer or like some sort of immediately like was starting to recognize clues and like put arguments together in like a case. I think so that was definitely the tipping point because they just got a little bit too cocky at that point. And like, which happens, which happens when people are like really being bold with any sort of a lie. And like, this is like obviously like kind of the ultimate form of a lie and murdering somebody and trying to get away with it. And it's just like, why, like, you can't go into this movie and be like, why would they do that? It's just like because of literally what they're talking about. They want to prove they're the smartest people. It's like through murder. It's like, yep, that is about as dramatic as you can get. So Because yes. I think it's interesting, too, because in the beginning, when we only see the murder, we don't see their conversation beforehand. We don't see them planning this. So 
we kind of have to just take their motive as they're confessing throughout the movie, but we don't know why Philip was the one to do it over Brandon. So it's kind of like, I would probably have to watch this movie. I don't know. There's nine characters. I think you'd have to watch it nine times because then there's probably a character you need to pay attention to in each movie to really read them as a character to see how they're interpreting the situation that's going on. Because things start to get dire when, because it's actually, it's David's dad and David's aunt attend the party because the mom was not feeling well. And then eventually she calls and she's like, you need to come home. Like something's not right. The fact that David's not calling either one of us or not showing up like is a problem. And everybody leaves the party at once. And they're like, we're in the clear. Everybody's Mm -hmm. gone, you know? And they're all kind of like low key worried about David, but not totally. And, you know, Janet had like her words with Brandon because of Kenneth. Well, I just thought that was just like an extra dynamic to just throw in there of like, you're so messed up that not only did you kill the guy she's in love with, you're sliding in her ex to be like, Mm -hmm. he's here too if you wanted it. Like, just because you can, just because you're just mind fucking somebody else in another level now. Yeah, it's just like, it's probably for very petty reasons at the end of the day, too. It's just like, whatever reason it is, it doesn't justify murder, obviously. But yeah, what other kind of... I thought that the the maid was very interesting. Uh, she was one of my favorite characters. I thought all the characters were pretty great yeah. who were in the movie. And in the moments that they did get uh, really did shine the father was just kind of apathetic and like i'm not gonna keep checking on my grown son he's a grown man and like was that his sister they brought because his yeah. wife was sick his sister was really weird <laughs> she was like all about like reading their horoscopes she's like you're a cancer moon rising or whatever it's just like oh what about the line where she grabs philip and says these hands are going to make you famous and it was mm-hmm. such a double-edged sword because he's a pianist and he was yep. the whole point of them going to connecticut was for him to start playing yep. and those are the hands that killed this guy and that if he goes to jail for might yep. make him famous and i was like that is excellent writing that's good yep. shit right there yeah yeah exactly and like you could see he was just like he thought it was like in a horror movie when the witch predicts like when you're gonna like die he was just like mm-hmm. terrified to hear that and it's just like every, everything was just driving him and you know rupert was just like what's his problem like it's always not having a good time at the party and it's like lower your voice stop yelling they're coming over like it's coming over and he's like you all right it's like uh, and he just kept getting drunker which is like not the move to make philip as you're like right. emotional and trying to like not spill your beans is to keep getting drunker but yeah for philip as we keep getting towards the end it the tension just keeps increasing and it's just is leading to this inevitable kind of final that yeah because they have their moment of relief everyone leaves yep and so it's like okay we got away with it we did it right we'll and never do that again what a ride viewer, we're like okay are we gonna watch them now try to stash the body like where are we going from here like they got away with it like maybe they're gonna get caught out there with the body like you don't know and then lo and behold jimmy stewart comes back claims he forgot something which he did not obviously mm-hmm. and yep. i mean he doesn't even like lay it down in like a corny way like you know some movies are like and now i'm gonna tell you how i figured it all out yeah they show him laying like, it down they show him putting it right onto the chest when he gets back up there the right cigarette. but not in a way that this felt organic because he didn't want it to be true like i think he kept there were points where he kept trying to like give them moments to confess there were times where he was like trying to figure out a different scenario he thought they were then, trying to get a rise out of him like in the real life i think if this was happening until you saw the body like he did i don't think you truly believe they're murdering you'd be like you're trying to be smart asses you're trying to make me think like this was like a game to try 
David, come out of the bathroom. Like, or where, come on. Like, and it's just like you, when people haven't committed a murder, it's pretty hard to believe they'd commit a murder before right. they commit a murder. So like, I just think that that was like a pretty brilliant part. I loved how the backdrop, you could see how it was slowly getting darker out. Just like very little nods that the time has passed. And then when they show the angle of opening the chest, I thought it was a perfect angle of just like, you just saw like kind of the distraught on, it was the most out of sorts Jimmy Stewart looked throughout the movie. Like the whole rest of the time, he kind of kept it together. But like, then he's like, oh my God, it's true. Like well, how and, so and he knew him. Like you're yeah. watching, you're seeing the dead body of your student. Right. And you know that your other students killed them. Like that's. Yes. And then we had a party around him the whole time. Like, right. And then you realize how dead body. they were. Like you were yeah. eating deviled eggs, like appetizers off right. of the coffin, essentially. Like, yeah. The, yeah. It's pretty nasty. And what then about it, when they whip out the gun. Oh, yeah. The gun was interesting. It was, you know, because again, like Brandon was getting ready to shoot him. Mm -hmm. And like then he was like, oh, like I can smooth talk my way out of this too. And then Philip grabs the gun. And like, I mean, it's just again, Philip didn't make any great decisions here towards the end. I think that he wasn't trying to shoot jimmy stewart and jimmy stewart like points that out he's like from this close quarters like you don't shoot there unless you're trying to kill like right. miss yeah like so again he had just i think it was just he had given up i thought jimmy stewart the way he used the gun there was pretty intelligent you know again like the, and then you just hitchcock just lets the camera stay there and you hear the audio of like the conversations happening and like at first People are like, did you hear anything? And someone's like, I heard three guns. And then it's like, yeah, I did too. And just like, you see how the, like it came from over there. I think it came from over there. Like, I think it came from over here. Like, you just hear all the people down there like talking. And the way the movie opened up, it showed outside of the apartment and like how there was like a lot of foot traffic there and a lot of people. So like you knew where it was coming from just simple directions but just done like kind of perfectly by hitchcock and you hear the sirens and they just kind yeah, of give was, up fade to black it was perfect yep that you got the mm -hmm. sirens philip looks terrified and i think even brandon did a little bit like brandon yeah towards like the end he finally did crack a little bit yeah he lost his confidence and i think part of it was sadness and disappointment over being found out by Rupert versus getting in trouble. Like, I think for him, the part of the thrill was like, no one figured out that I did this. Even though his actions were basically like begging for somebody to figure it out, he still thought that like, I can leave all these hints and these people are still so stupid, they're never going to figure it out. So I think yeah. he was more disappointed that he got figured out than the police were on their way. Yeah, at that point, yeah, the whole time it was to prove his intellectual superiority and like, he wasn't at the end of the day. And that was just his ultimate fear. It was like the ultimate, like, yeah. So at that point, he didn't care if he was guilty or not. And Philip would have lived the rest of his days so on edge and crazy that it didn't matter. So, yeah. Philip was cracking. <laughs> if, if Rupert didn't figure it out, Philip Yeah, Philip was, like, I, I don't suggest to a lot of people to murder, but I really don't suggest it to Philip. The Philip types, which is what I am. So I'm glad I can't be a murderer. Yeah, I definitely don't think, especially, like, you know, you're just murdering just to, like, say you did. If you're like Philip, that's a hard no. So, Aaron, are you ready for our closing thoughts and ratings? Oh, wrote me in. All right, I'm going to go first, and I think I might blow your mind here. I'm going to blow blow the minds here. Is it going to happen? I'm going to say it, guys. For the first time ever on Digesting Cinema, we have five, five stars. Hell yeah. Five stars. This 
is a perfect movie. Mm -hmm. It is paced perfectly. I appreciate that this just tells you the story. There's a lot of times where like you could have drugged this out 30 more minutes. And I think if you did, it would lose the suspense of the movie because for a movie where you, the viewer know everything that happens, there is still suspense to this because you want to know who is going to figure it out, how they're going to figure it out. And that adds to it. And I think you just get so many layers to this movie of seeing how truly fucked up Brandon and Philip really are to pull this off and to think mm -hmm. they could get away with it and there's just so many layers to this movie the direction obviously was phenomenal the camera work was perfect the acting was incredible i mean i jimmy stewart I, I everybody knows i love chris evans but that's for more physical reasons jimmy stewart is my favorite actor to ever act he's my favorite one to watch this movie is pretty fucking perfect i'm giving it five stars Wow. I am thrilled to hear that. I would almost agree with you that this is a nearly perfect movie. There's one or two of the performances that weren't absolutely like my favorite. And just the opening murder was a little bit weird and cheesy. And maybe that's just of the time, but I didn't get the weird or cheesy vibe from any other aspect of the movie. So I just wish the guy didn't scream as he's getting strangled. Like, <laughs> I guess like so clear and loudly because it did make me think the first time especially that like oh is this like all supposed to be like a prank by the end that like he pops out of the chest and he's like hey guys like so just for that reason a couple other there wasn't like a super memorable score and there was a little bit of music and the music that was was kind of throwaway these are very little nitpicks but i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five stars so don't get me wrong like i love this this is one of my favorite hitchcock I'd be interested once you see a little more where this ranks. This might be your favorite still, which I'm not sure if it is as of now, but I don't but, know. I did watch rear window and vertigo. Yeah. So like you've seen Whoa. some great ones. Those are all like rope is definitely up there for me though. Oh yeah. Uh, I loved it. Um, I agree that I thought the lead performances were really great. Jimmy Stewart was good. I was thinking there could have been someone else casted as Jimmy Stewart's role, but I couldn't really spot who that would be. So I, but again, I'm not sure if like that was meant to be Jimmy Stewart in that role. I felt like Philip and Brandon were like meant to be. So again, these are just things that keep it from a completely perfect, but so great time 4.75 out of five, that's gotta be our highest rated of the year, uh, which I think is fitting for Mr. Hitchcock. I think that's pretty cool. So um, I'm glad that we made the switch. Uh, just for fun, what would your rating of To Catch a Thief be? Probably just quick. Half or three out of five. It was, it was fine. It was a fine movie. It was Yeah, and I gave movie. it a two and a half out of five. So yeah. it's like 2.75. This is a, quite a step up. I mean, you know, it's, by still the good. it's still a Hitchcock movie, but I didn't think it was Hitchcocky enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't Hitchcockian enough. Uh, <laughs> definitely agree. Next week, we could easily pick another Hitchcock movie, and maybe because. my suggestion will be because. Ooh. What's our theme for next week, Aaron? Our theme for next week is mystery film, just mystery movies. So this could be really any, it could be Mystery Men could be Clue. You know, it could be Notorious. I'm going to go first with my suggestion. Yeah, please do. I am going to, actually, I'm going to give you five. Three I've seen already. 
Two, I have not. I'm going to throw out Knives Out because we haven't done a Chris Evans movie yet. And I'm just going to do my shameless plug. But I will say for the other two that I've also seen that are just great are Clue, which is, I mean, just the classic murder mystery. Um, The other one I will mention that I have seen already, which I'm not sure if you saw it yet, but it is another great mystery. Also starring Cary Grant being way too old for the lead with Audrey Hepburn is Charade. (laughs) <laughs> Two movies that I have not seen that are mysteries that I would like to see. The first one was a recommendation from our former guest, Andrew Barr, uh, 1973's The Last of Sheila. And Never heard of that. The one I would also like to recommend came out a few years ago starring John Cho, and that is Searching. Okay. I have seen Searching. I loved Searching. Uh, Searching is a great one. Okay. So I have seen a few of those. I'm going to throw out Hitchcock. So really anything from his catalog, I'd be willing to talk about again. You want to do Strangers on a Train this time? I would love to do Strangers on a Train. My suggestion will be Strangers on a Train, Notorious, um, which I believe is also, or Stanley Kubrick's The Killing takes place at a racetrack and uh, I believe was a pretty influential Another influential kind of crime mystery movie done by Kubrick. It would be cool to go from Hitchcock film to a Kubrick film. I mean, that would be Spielberg to Hitchcock to Kubrick. That would be pretty powerhouse directors. So those are my quick suggestions kind of off the top of my head. And also Shutter Island. Uh, I love Shutter Island. I think it is endlessly rewatchable and one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Martin Scorsese movie. So uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's made appearances on the podcast before. Mark Ruffalo, I love Mark Ruffalo. Ben Kingsley. This movie is an absolute trip. It's one of my favorites. All right. Well, the only one I've seen of yours is Strangers on a Train, and you've pretty much seen all of mine. So I will let you pick. Because I kind of picked last week. I feel like I yeah, was yeah. the deciding vote. So I'm okay. going to leave this all to you. What, okay. our, what is our mystery film going to be, Aaron? What do you want to oh. watch the most? Oh, my God. This is so hard. It's really hard for me not to pick Shutter Island. Oh, that's um, I really would be curious to see your thoughts on this movie. This is one, not that, not that I'm saying you do, but it can, the phone has to be put off. You have to be watching. The detective hat has to be on from the beginning because by the end, if it's not, there's no way that you're going to be able to talk about it. But I'm going to say Shutter Island. This is one for me. Every time I rewatch it, I get something out of it. I've rewatched this movie. The only movie I've watched more from probably the past decade honestly is joel edgerton's the gift that is just a movie for whatever reason i just love it with jason bateman and uh joel edgerton so go watch the gift if you haven't seen the gift before that is a great movie but let's go to shutter island martin scorsese yeah i just uh i'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it there's going to be plenty to talk about i will guarantee there will be theories next week it is impossible for there not to be so oh god now i regret draft in we are going to Shutter Island. Martin Scorsese directed Leonardo DiCaprio. Is this our second or third Leonardo DiCaprio? It's at least our second. It's our third. Um, Quick of the th- Dead, Aviator, Shutter Island. Oh, that's right. Aviator, which I believe he did either prior or after. We'll talk about next week once I get the yeah, movie Yeah, this released. is our second Martin Leo collab. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. Wow. Look at us. Our we second Scorsese. Our Martin and Leo. Yeah, but... Before we uh, tie a knot on this episode, uh, rope pun, is there anything, Christina, that you need to loop people in on 
broke pun. I went a little viral on Twitter by accident, so that was super awkward. That was a weird experience to be a part of. Uh, nothing major. Hope you guys are still paying attention to the showdown. I don't know if the stars are going to make a run for it. It's not looking good for us. Um, sure didn't sound like it was from that cadence there. <laughs> it, is, it is tournament season, so I hope you guys are enjoying the entertainment. And if anybody's going to any of the live shows, I hope you have a great time and hope you're staying safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I echo all those statements. Um, nothing going on for me other than this podcast. So thrilled to be here. 36 episodes in and strong. But for Aaron, for Christina, keep digesting cinema out there and keep tying the knot on your achievements.